So last week, our soul care question was, am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? I hope you had time to think about that this week. Uh, but if you did, then you may have become more self-aware than you even wanted to. I know that happened for me this week. Uh, self-awareness is good to a point. Self-awareness, we need to know where we're at in all areas of life so that we know when it's time to take a step back or take a step forward uh, in, in our patterns of growth. So again, as we focus on this question, it, the goal wasn't to get inside of our own head and start running this rat race of like, oh, I'm not, I am self-conscious. I am self-fitting. No. It's instead to take a step back and, and look at what, what God has to say. In our Soul Care book, uh, there's, a, there's a passage that just lines this up perfectly. It says, being self-aware is good. However, being too aware of self can make us self-absorbed if we're not careful. We all get like this from time to time, and you can see it when we are quickly defensive, when, we, when an attitude of preeminence creeps in, when insecurities rise, when compassion and understanding are hard to notice within, when being right becomes more important than being generous, when we hide our true self in fear of being found out or realized, and when we are quick to blame others for our own shortcomings. John Wesley wants us to reflect and discuss the question, am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying, so that we confront our human penchant to become so concerned with self that we lose sight of others in our lives. Isn't that funny how we hear this, this question is challenging us to look inside, to look at our own habits, and in doing that, we're actually supposed to become more aware of the people around us to become more compassionate, to become more loving, to become more caring for those around us in order to grow. There are several challenges uh, that we can take on in order to grow in this area. I'm going to go through a few of them now. Some of them may strike a chord with you. Uh, others, you may be like, ah, no, that's not my thing. But I hope that you take one of these this week and, and choose to try and tackle it. Uh, the first one that we have is to, to just volunteer or give up your time. Taking the idea that, again, you have your goals, your plans, and instead saying, no, I know what God wants me to do. I'm supposed to give up my time in service of others. So you can volunteer, uh, give up your time uh, to do that. And again, making sure that you realize, yeah, there are other things that I want to be doing. I could be working on my house. I could be watching a football game or whatever. But instead, I'm, I'm going to give up my time in service of, of others. The second one is to, uh, to engage in random acts of kindness. Now, we've collectively done that as a church here at Southfield for several Christmases. It's like our seasonal thing. We, we love uh, going out into our communities and sharing these random acts of kindness. Now, that's not something that you need to wait to be challenged for. You can be doing this every day, whether it's just engaging with a cashier at Target uh, or reaching out and, and just having a conversation with someone that you would normally pass by. Uh, so again, Engage, engage in random acts of kindness. The third is to practice empathy. What does that look like? It means opening your ears and actually listening. I think a lot of times in my own life, I find myself hearing but not really listening. When somebody's telling a story or um, sharing, sharing real heartache or a challenge that they're going through in their life, make sure that you're listening. Don't, ju don't jump to solve the problem. Don't jump to... Uh, to give your opinion or, or state your side of things, really just take the time to listen 
Because when we listen, that's when others around us know that we actually care. Now, the fourth is to get outside of your comfort zone. And again, we have a wide array of comfort zones in this room. Maybe getting out of your comfort zone involves signing up for one of the journey groups that we have for this fall. Maybe you've been, like we talked about last week, you've been kind of thinking about it, but you're not going to take that leap just yet because, well, I don't know the Bible inside and out, and, well, that's really intimidating, and I don't want to be that guy or that girl who just sits there and puts a smile on. Step outside your comfort zone. See where God wants to take you through one of these groups or through a relationship, through a conversation with somebody who you haven't made a connection with yet. Maybe you've seen somebody here at Southfield for years and you've never said hi. Try saying hi today. Now these last two, I saved these for the last because these are the ones that uh, I find most challenging for myself. And I hope you'll get a kick out of these too. Let someone else take the lead this week. I know that oftentimes uh, that's a real challenge for me. Maybe some of you are bosses or you have people working for you. Maybe it's even a volunteer staff like I do. And often you look and you say, I can do this better or quicker or more efficiently if I just get it done myself. I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't want to put, we, and we pass it off as I don't want to put the stress on my team or my crew. I'm just, I'm just going to get this done and not worry about it. Well, is that showing value to those who are serving, to those who are working for you? Not really. So maybe challenge yourself to, to let somebody else step up. If you are the boss or if you're in charge of a team, Allow someone else to step up. Maybe it's uh, in just in conversations. Maybe you are the kind who finds yourself, even if it's a group of 10 people, your voice is heard the most. Let somebody else take the lead. I know that can be really challenging uh, for us extroverts, too, to just sit back and listen. Uh, but there's power in that. There's power in just taking the time to sit back and let somebody else step up to the plate. Finally, maybe, maybe it's with your kids. Uh, there's a, a new term going around. Instead of helicopter parents, now you're, you're becoming lawnmower parents where you cut down all of the challenges and the problems that your kids might even possibly face so that they can stay safe and stay happy and all that. Instead of mowing their lawn, why don't you allow them to face that challenge? And instead of protecting them from these challenges or these potential harms, just be ready to support them when they go through them. Be prepared for when they go through these with an answer or if they ask the question or be there for that with those listening ears if they just want to talk. Don't cut the challenges out of their, li- out of their lives. Instead, be there for support. Uh, so again, that's let someone else take the lead. This last one, this last one is almost comical uh, in my life. Compete in something knowing that you will lose. I am fairly competitive, uh, and I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, don't enjoy losing. Um, now there are times when I know I'm going to lose. Like Friday night, I met up with uh, my core group of, of college friends. We went down to watch Illinois face Penn State, and in the fourth quarter, or I'm sorry, in the third quarter, they're winning 24-21, and we're like, "It's happening! The Lovey era! Yeah, this is wonderful!" And then they lost 61-24, something like that. So reality set in. So we know, like, again, as an Illini fan, I know that I'm going to watch the Illini lose, and it's really just about the relationships. But in other areas of my life, I want to win. Like, I, I don't care if it's, if it's B 
feeding Riley and eating dinner so that I can be the first to the TV to choose what's on or, or what. There are so many little areas that I don't even like, I'm not consciously saying I need to finish first so I can get there. Uh, but again, maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you are highly competitive. And this week, take, take time to, to look at, to examine those areas where you're being ultra competitive uh, and take a step back. Or, again, like the challenge says, go into something knowing that you're going to lose and watch how you grow. I'm really looking forward to trying that. I'm not necessarily looking for, I'm looking forward to the results. I'm not looking forward to trying that. Uh, but that's, that's going to be the area that I'm going to be uh, working on this week. So again, I hope one of those challenges um, works for you this week. Uh, as we enter into our, our communion time, again, there are two stations in the back and two stations up here in the front where you can come receive communion. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend about 30 seconds in silence where I'd encourage you to just think about one of these six areas in which, again, this week, you can really focus on just one, uh, one of these areas of becoming more self-aware in honor of God. So if you would, uh, bow your heads with me and, and let's pray. Father, teach us to serve you first and to seek ourselves second instead choosing to seek out your kingdom. Help me to be less concerned about myself and more concerned about your kingdom. Help me to become more aware of myself, of my faults and my limitations, but not so much concerned with myself that I forget your purpose for me.
Can't wait till we all get to do it together. So I laugh, you know, you're sitting here talking about competition and all. And I, I, as you're talking, I'm like, how in the world do we share the same DNA? I just, I walk into that gym. There's nothing in me that looks at that hoop and goes, I want to throw a ball. I, I look at the gym and go, we could do a great meal in here. Or think of the retreats we could do in here. I just, but then I remember I'm only half of you, and there's, there's, there's the competitor-in-chief right there, so y'all are so funny, you crack me up. Uh, our servers are going to come right now and receive the offering. While they do, what we wanted to do uh, in kind of quick order is give you a really good taste of what's going on with groups, because that sign-up, I mean, there's literally one of the groups is meeting today at three, so we want to make sure that you, you get those. So, um, on your links today, uh, you can take that link right now, and it'll take you to the Journey Group site, and as we're talking, you can go ahead and sign up for one if you want, yeah. and what we'd like is as we go through these very quickly, uh, if the group leader is here, and they'd kind of stand and wave, that would help too, so uh, the funny thing is the first one on the website, you're already standing, so uh, group for students. It's meeting starting October 2nd. Yeah, so Tuesday, October 2nd, we're going to go over to the Coins House. And again, everybody who signs up, like, we'll get you the address and all that uh, straight, uh, straightened up. But this is important for high schoolers. It's for guys and girls. Uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus amongst secular, uh, secular gods. And that's just the, the different isms that we face today. Uh, and so it's going to be a, a really deep study. It's going to be challenging, but it'll be really good. So if you are a high schooler interested in joining us for that Bible study, we really do need you to get signed up because we have some materials that we need to buy. Um, so if, again, if you want, hop on, get signed up. And that's a piece of the site to it. If there's materials to be purchased, yeah. you can go ahead and click on those. So uh, John and Sue Beaker are starting a group this Tuesday called Choices and Consequences uh, based on stories in the Old Testament and the, the choices that we make. So that's a good one. Tell us about the next one you're, you're following, right? Yeah. So, okay. sorry, I'd accidentally almost registered for John's no, group. That's okay. <laughs> uh, not that it's a bad... No, anyway. Uh, yeah, the next one is for couples under 30 uh, that actually we started up last Monday, but this is a like come as you can kind of thing. So that's with Don and Misty Yost that's over at their house. And we have a really like neat little group right now uh, where we just we get together, spend about an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half uh, looking over the, the fruit of the Spirit. Right now we're on faithfulness and it's, again... This is a, it's, it's a low-pressure thing. So if you're looking, if you're under 30 couples, uh, if you're looking for a low-pressure entry point, come on in. 32 counts. 
Don says A, okay. 32 counts. <laughs> How about 55? Don says okay. <laughs> Don likes people. <laughs> All right. For the next one, uh, Carol, we won't make you stand. Only Dave. You can wave from your seat, okay? Uh, Dave and Carol Moray are leading a book on Genesis, and it starts on uh, September 30th. Uh, it, very important. I mean, in our faith. What's that? Okay. Website lady. October 6th. So anyway. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You're, that's your one error for 2018. You're good to go. Um, so that, I mean, Genesis is, you know, it's the foundations of our faith. We don't have a good grasp of Genesis, but also a belief in Genesis. Everything else starts to crumble. So we hope you'll, you'll head to that one. Yeah, uh, you're one called Deeper. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing Deeper. So that one starts on October 3rd. And basically in uh, two weeks. We're going to be starting a series on Sunday morning and going through the end of the year looking at different aspects of the Old Testament. Uh, after the questions we received in the fall, it was amazing how many of them were Old Testament related. So I'm like, let's go through that. The deeper group will actually meet on Wednesday night during refuge. So if you have a refuge kid, you can drop them off and pick them up afterward. Um, but we'll, we'll be kind of taking, taking the sermon study to the next level. Dale and Patty are leading a group uh, in Nehemiah. They're over there. Uh, and again, that starts on September 30th, and that's going to run for eight sessions, so that's going to be a really uh, cool opportunity to, to dive in there. On October 9th, for three weeks, I'll be doing a, 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 a mini group uh, in terms of length on um, uh, membership. So if you're interested in becoming a member at Southfield, some of you are wondering, well, I already thought it was a member I attend. Um, this would be a good chance to come and learn more about that. Ron and Trissy have another, there's a group in, in Genesis talking about uh, creation, and that is going to start on September 23rd, so this week. Um, and it's again, like today. today. Holy like cow. Like today. Like today is the like 23rd. At three so three o'clock today. Three o'clock Ron and Tristy are over there. So Did you, you clean your house up? yet? Are you ready? Yeah. Good to go. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. I love so. that we're doing so many Genesis groups too. I know. Again, like, I'm, I'm thrilled. Cool. Uh, Dale again. Uh, men's prayer group on Monday nights. Every other first and third first and third Monday. You can do mine. Well, my dad leads a group uh, on Thursday. Well, is it Thursday still? It's Thursday. Thursdays uh, from 6.30 to 7.30. So needless to say, I don't make it because it's 6.30 in the morning and I am not a morning guy. Uh, but if you if are... you were competitive, a, you would. Oh, man. <laughs> if you loved God, you would. <laughs> Woo! Are you sure that yours is a real group and not just one? Yeah, of, no, anyway, real, real group. Um, Great yeah. people. Yeah, so that's... Oh, it's already starting. Okay, 6.30 to 7.30 on Thursdays, uh, one-hour group for, for guys. And I've heard great things. Apparently, I'm going to find out more coming very soon. <laughs> We're not playing basketball. Uh, then, then Rod Carlson is leading a group on Is Genesis History for Guys. And this one's really cool because there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix called is, is Genesis History, and they do just a phenomenal job of laying out the actual physical evidence for the things that we read about in Genesis. So when, you know, when everybody's talking about evolution and all these other kinds of theories on how we came to be, uh, they, we're going to be diving in in this group looking at how Genesis can be used as really actual really evidence. Brilliant. Tristy's leading uh, actually a pair of women's groups. It's the same group, but it's offered in the morning and the night. 
And uh, it's on Joshua. And the thing that makes me crack up every time I see this logo is it makes me think of my Discover card. I don't know if they, I don't know if they were thinking that Joshua was discovering the new land or what, but great, great logo. I love that one. Go ahead and get the next one. Yeah, so the next one is led by my mom and Dora Kruger. It's First Things for Women. Again, that's starting on October 4th. Uh, and it's going to run for seven sessions. They're going to be looking at that passage we read uh, during, the dedica- during the family dedication in, in Mark chapter 12, talking about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So a uh, cool chance to get involved there. So this next group, it's called Doing Life Together. Vicki Clyborne leads it, and what I love is they go out to eat. I, now, some of the people were complaining that there isn't a ladies' basketball. I want to complain that there's not a guys' eating group. So anyway, <laughs> um, so that one's going to be a lot of fun. Go ahead and hit the next one, which is you. So I, since I'm being challenged uh, to join the men's Thursday morning group, uh, <laughs> I can do this. Go team. How's that? We need that too. Okay, good. Saturday morning men's group, uh, for, we're just going to be playing some basketball. Again, you don't need to be LeBron James. If, if you want to get out there and just play around uh, you know, one game on Saturday mornings, uh, that's totally okay. We're going to be going from 9 to 11. So this actually follows up. Uh, the workout group, which is going to be great. So I'm actually challenging those guys who are signing up to do the workout group to kind of loosen up and then come play basketball for a while too. So the more guys that we get, the easier it will be. Even though that gym floor is super nice and soft, uh, we're going to need some cardiovascular breaks along the way. So again, any, any skill level, as long as you're 14 and older, uh, we're looking for all guys to sign up. And on sa- Saturday, the first boot camp starts, and it's called Back to Boot Camp, which you explained in the first service I didn't understand. Yeah, so Back to Boot Camp, we, we want to make sure that everybody understands this boot camp thing. You know, we, we always talk about how difficult it is. It's going to be hard, but it's, this is like a couch to boot camp kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so just, just so you are so aware. So bring your couch. This is not, yeah. <laughs> this is not like diving straight into insanity workouts where, you know, you're going to be keeled over and we're going to be bringing people out on stretchers. This is a back to boot camp, kind of getting you back into it, um, which is great. So yeah, that starts next Saturday. Basketball actually starts this Saturday. So again, using the gym right out of the gate here and I'm really excited. Awesome. And students tonight? Students, yeah, students tonight and Wednesday. The only change that we're going to see high schoolers, you need to come in the gym doors tonight. We're starting that. Also, same thing with Refuge. Uh, Both groups are in the middle of some pretty tough series uh, in terms of what we're looking at in the Bible. So again, come on out. It'll be a good time. Good. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, yeah, so just a reminder again, if you have a child in Southfield Big Kids today, they're in the gym, and then when we're leaving, uh, we're not using the gym doors to leave. We're coming in and out from the doors that are connected to the building. So, And we're really doing that just for the sake of the safety of our kids. But it was 10 years ago this very Sunday that we met for the first time in Shanahan Junior High. Can you imagine that? 10 years, a decade, a decade has passed. It's gone. Oof. 10 years later to the very Sunday, our kids move into their new space. Today, it's our first official day that the gym is striped and in full use. And for the first time since Bethel Drive, we have a room devoted to infants and toddlers. And that's it. And that's so uh, wonderful. That next batch of kids, the preschoolers are in their fort room and loving that. And then today, uh, pre-K and kindergarten are in their own room, in the brick room, and enjoying that uh, bigger space for them. As Brian already said, later tonight, high schoolers will meet in the room for the first time officially. Ten years in the making. So I thought what we'd do, that you might enjoy time traveling with me 
a little bit to see what 10 years ago looked like, see some of the people, and I thought I'd start with me. So that is not me catching marshmallows, I'm singing. And uh, the major changes there you see is uh, hair color, hair amount, and uh, improved dental work. So anyway, (laughs) Dale and Patty, look at that. Patty ready with her folder, ready to go teach, just like she did this morning in the brick room. I, I, I love this next one. That's great. He's there. Good. So Bob, Bob hasn't changed a bit, including his clothes. Turn around and look at him right now. This was not a plan. I'm telling you what. Do you own any other clothing? And given the fact that you do that boot camp thing, you might want to have another clothing. My goodness. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Now some of you are worried you're in here. Oh, John Beaker, always so happy. Look at John. Look at John. How about Lorraine and Jamie looking the same as always? I was just crazy. This is the one that I came across. I'm like, what in the world's going on here? You have Misty talking to Sherry Vanek, and I'm like, whose baby is Sherry holding? Sherry's holding her baby. That's brand new Vaughn. So the most changed person in these images is Vaughn. I mean, he was an infant. I mean, you were like days old there, Vaughn. It's crazy. And this morning he's in here setting up chairs for us. It's so cool. This next one's real fun. So, you know, Mary Stroman moved. She was in charge of doing coffee with us. So you have Mary Stroman doing coffee and Jamie in the nook and Denise Papish behind and then Stephanie. I mean, I'm looking at this picture of Stephanie. I'm like, what, were you in a witness protection program or something? <laughs> what in the world? I feel like we just busted her. Like, you got to move to Guatemala now to get away. I don't know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. This was our space. This was the room we met in. Beautiful. It was, it's a cafeteria during the week, and it was church on Sunday. And I forgot the first couple of weeks. Uh, for a while, we had sound up on the side corner like that. But, um, wow, what an incredible season. After 40 years on Black Road, God inspired us to move. And in thanks in large part to Chad Upoff, Ray James, Mike Schrader, and, and just the really good people of Shanahan Junior High, uh, we, had a, we had a great home for seven years. And, and we're here today in large part because of, of them helping us. As we made the move to the junior high, we talked about who we needed to be in that unique season. A lot of churches like to lay out kind of a, a big vision. We have a vision day. We talk vision, and there's nothing wrong with that, setting out a grand idea for a, bigger, uh, for a better tomorrow. Um, but I've always felt more led to talk about values uh, because I believe that who, what we do flows out of who we are. We can say this is what we want to do, but if we're not who God wants us to be, uh, what, what happens, right? So... We moved out uh, into Shanahan five years ago with, with five Shanahan potatoes in our hands, these, these stones that are everywhere around here. And like David, David's five smooth stones that fell that giant, we had these five stones for our own Goliath. We talked in terms of being faithful. Faithfulness doesn't always look uh, dynamic, you know what I mean? Faithful is just continue doing the right thing, day after day after day after day, continue in a righteous path flexible. Boy, did we need to be flexible. You know, when you weren't sure if a, if a 
trailer was going to be able to be pulled on the morning because it was too cold and all that sort of stuff. We had to be flexible. We needed to be focused, knowing what the mission was that God had given us and not lose sight of that because it wasn't always easy. We needed to be fearless in the face of challenges. And then the final one was we needed to continue to have fun. Uh, it would be easy to get furrow-browed and just kind of do the business and forget that God wanted us to enjoy the journey. These words guided us and they formed us. They helped us to know when the job was well done and when we had missed the mark. And in a sense, we'll never leave them behind. They, they are part of us. But this is a new decade, new day, and a new decade calls for a renewed focus. And so on our dedication day, we, we uh, talked about devoting ourselves to three values that we will live out. We dedicate ourselves to stand courageously. We dedicate ourselves to love compassionately. And we dedicate ourselves to live out a cross-shaped life. Last week, we walked through what it meant to stand courageously. And today, we're going to move on to compassion. Not too long ago, I was uh, tweaking our church website a bit with more and more people viewing websites on mobile devices, phones, and tablets, and all that sort of thing. It's kind of important to make sure it looks good there, too. It's one thing on the big screen, but how is it on the little screen? So I was, I was scrolling through, and I saw the picture, and then I saw our times, and then, and then I came across these words right in the middle of the website. We challenge people to take their next life-changing step toward becoming like Jesus. So I'd like to just take this statement and break it down and work backward as we do. The first line is, uh, that we're going to look at is toward becoming like Jesus. In many ways, I can say, this is what makes us a church. This is, this is it, helping people to become more like Jesus. Why are we here? We are here for Jesus, and we are here because of Jesus. We're here to invite people into a relationship with their Creator and their Savior. Paul paints an incredible picture in Galatians chapter 4. He speaks of being in deep pain, deep pain yet another time. He's watching these people who are supposed to be becoming more and more like Jesus walk the other way. And with intensity, he says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He says, why in the world are you going in that direction? You already know Christ. Keep letting Christ be formed in you. I want to focus on those five, five words, Christ is formed in you. This is a term that's come in vogue in uh, evangelical circles, but it's not necessarily new. It, it, it is being used more and more. It's the term uh, formation or spiritual formation. This term honors what Paul is saying here. Our mission is to see Christ formed in our lives. It is our mission to see every person formed into the image and likeness of Jesus. In Romans 8, 9, Paul wrote, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The New Living Translation puts it this way, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That's what we're about, helping people to become like his son, helping people become like Jesus. It was God's plan before the rocks were formed to see you look and act and be like Jesus. This goal, Christ-likeness, guides all that we do. And quite honestly, it guides what we do not do. There are some things we choose not to do because it does not lead to the goal of seeing Christ formed in people's lives. We have one purpose, to move people toward becoming like Jesus. Now let's go ahead and back up another line. And that is to challenge people to take their next life-changing step. We embrace this, this next step terminology. A marathon is a series of next steps. 
You know, it's not one giant leap. And you can't skip steps. Every step is needed in a marathon. The qualifier in this sentence is their next life-changing step. My next step is quite different than most of the people in the room. Why? Am I special? No. I'm just in a unique place in the marathon, and so are you. And so when we get together to talk in groups or in conversations, we're trying to get to know each other well enough so we can guide each other toward the next step that God has for us. How about that first line? We challenge people. We challenge people to take their next life-changing step toward becoming like Jesus. We challenge people. It's that middle word, challenge. We really thought about that word. Here are some other valid options. We instruct people. Nothing wrong with instructing people, giving them lessons, telling them this is the information you need. Uh, We could have used the word help. We help people. Kind of like, you know, walking along in the marathon with the person who's limping and you got your arm around them. You're helping them to get down the road. We could have used words like we counsel people or we coach people or we mentor people or, or we lead people. All valid words. We chose the word challenge. Why? Well, because what most of us need is a good push. In reality, what most of us need is a good push. We're stuck. We've fallen and we can't get up. Challenge implies a degree of intensity and yes, even a touch of in-your-faceness. There's that little bit of, come on, we can do this. It's been my experience that most people do not like to be challenged. They, they like the other words in there, but being challenged, that's kind of, I don't know if I like that so much. It's also been my experience that most people are wanting someone, something, anyone, anything to give them a little bit of a nudge. Too many of us sit in a state of stuckness for way too long. And so we challenge, we challenge Now, why talk about all this when today we're supposed to be talking about compassion? Why talk about all of this? Well, last week we talked about standing courageously. And our vision statement talks about challenging people. And you might hear both of those words and get the impression that that Southfield is like Bob's boot camp. You know, not for the weak of heart. Come on. Uh, These words can sound rather, I don't know, he-man, kind of brutish and tough. No room for Nancy's. Come on, buck up. We're going to do this thing. We, need, we, we, we can never live out virtues selectively. Every virtue is tempered or informed by other virtues. Words like courage and challenge need to be lived in light of our next commitment, compassion. God is calling us to love compassionately. Courage and compassion are not opposites. Challenging and compassion do not contradict each other. They don't stand in opposition to each other. Jesus had a beautiful blend of these virtues when he worked with people. Look at me, look with me at John 8 for a moment. We read this common story. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. As crowds soon gathered, he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, the Bible tells us they were doing this to try to entrap him. So what does Jesus do? He does not respond immediately. Instead, he stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned 
throw the first stone. He then stooped down and wrote in the dust again. When the accusers heard this challenge, they slipped away one at a time, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And it's really that last line that says it all. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. On one hand, Jesus offers this woman compassionate forgiveness. I don't condemn you. He also challenges her to a fresh start. Now go and sin no more. Can you see the beauty of the compassion of Jesus? His compassion did not overlook her sin or minimize her sin. He sees her for who she really is. He has deep compassion for her in her sinful state. And he has the courage to speak truth, to challenge her. Standing courageously is lived out hand in hand with loving compassionately. I could say so much this morning about living compassionately. I'm going to focus on just two things. The first is this. Living compassionately focuses our vision. It clarifies our vision. Living compassionately clarifies our vision. There's a phrase. It's not a verse, though it would make a good one. I would say it's backed up by Scripture for sure. There but for the grace of God go I. If not for God's grace, I'd be in the same mess. How does compassion clarify my vision? Well, for one, it helps me to see me better. It helps me to see myself And realize I am not better than anyone else. You see, our compassion dries up when we see other people in a mess of their own making. A mess, by the way, that we would never get into. No, not us. We're too good for that. In Romans 12, 3, Paul wrote, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. He doesn't say measuring yourself by looking around the room and seeing who you're better than. Look at the grace of God and measure where you are. You know what that verse sounds like? There but for the grace of God go I. What caused those men one by one to walk away from the woman? It was really a vision challenge, wasn't it? but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Compassion helps me see who I really am. Helps me to see myself for who I really am. It also clarifies my vision of the other person. Who is the other person? Ephesians 2 describes the state of every one of us prior to Jesus. It says, all of us are dead in our sins. All of us, we're lifeless. We're unresponsive apart from a movement of the grace of God. The Bible also describes us prior to Jesus as captives of the enemy, as slaves of sin. You see, compassion starts to clarify my view of people around me. Rather than seeing them as the enemy, I start to see them as captives of the enemy. My heart softens as I get a true picture of their spiritual state rather than a surface view of simply their actions. 
as more and more people literally rewrite every aspect of biblical morality, we need to see beyond the actions they're taking into their hearts. Like Jesus, we need to be able to say, I am not here to condemn you, but at the same time to say, I am challenging you to a new way of living. Living compassionately clarifies our vision. It helps us to see ourselves for who we really are. And it helps us to see the person who is lost in sin for who they really are. But living compassionately does something else to us as well. Living compassionately moves us deeply. There's a phrase used of Jesus numerous times in the gospel. He was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. In Mark 1.41, he was moved with compassion to heal a leper. And it says, by the way, that movement was not just a, hey, Mr. Leper over there, you be healed. It says he was moved with compassion to touch this contagious man and to heal him. He was moved with compassion. In Mark 6, just prior to feeding the 5,000, the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. He sees this large group and compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had no guidance. And so he began to teach them many things. In his parables, Jesus talks about people being moved with compassion. It's a huge theme. The Samaritan in Luke 10 is moved with compassion for a Jew, a person not of his nationality. In Luke 15, the father sees that prodigal son a long way down the road, and he's moved with compassion, and he runs toward him and embraces him. I, I wish we could just camp here all day. This is uh, compassion, being moved with compassion is really beautiful. The Greek word for this uh, idea of being moved with compassion, the word compassion is splonknon. I love the word splonknon. Sounds like you took a big old Ziploc bag and you filled it with messy stuff, wet stuff, you know, and you took it up on something really high and you dropped it down on the sidewalk and it went splonknon. Boom, there it is, a splatter. That splattering sound, that that splatter, the splonknon, splonknon is literally your guts. That's your guts. You're being moved in the gut. It's it's an incredibly visceral thing that happens to us. It's, It's an inner rumbling way down here. There's a movement that takes place. When I'm living with eyes wide open, I'm going to be moved. I'm going to be moved. There's going to be, there's going to be a movement of the Spirit within me that wants to jump in and enter in with compassion. And by the way, we're, we're not just moved by needs. In fact, I would say just the opposite. When we get inundated with needs, we start to turn off. We develop a little bit of compassion fatigue. We get, we get I don't know about you, I see need after need after need after need, and I just kind of go, I'm tired. I don't know if I can handle anymore. I mean, just watching TV, right? I turned on, there's that cute little Shriners Hospital kid with his blanket, and, and then they're showing St. Jude's, and I feel moved by that. And then there's these elderly Jewish Holocaust survivors, and I'm moved by that. And then Sarah McGawkin starts singing at a dog shelter, and I leave that to someone else. Anyway, I, you know, all these needs, all these needs. You're, how about hurricanes? My goodness, every time we turn around, it's, you know, Amazon, top, donate to the hurricane, donate to the hurricane, you're a jewel, will you donate to this? Everybody's asking me. And after a while, I'm just kind of like, it's a lot of need. How in the world am I supposed to enter into that? It's not just about seeing a need. I move not just by seeing something, I move by someone. The Spirit moves me. 
And it's amazing how sometimes I'll see a series of needs and, and one won't really hit me and another won't really hit me and then the next one comes and I'm like, somebody's got to do something about that. And I really think that's enough of a sensitivity to the Spirit of God to say, I'm going to jump in on that. I've got to be a part of that. The love of Christ constrains me. It moves me. The compassion of the Father moves me. And so I'm being sensitive to the ways in which God is moving me to act toward a particular need that I see in the world. Compassion clarifies my vision. I see me differently. I see the other person differently. And it moves me to do something about the need. Now, now before we wrap up, let me just address a, a couple of important things. Um, whenever we talk about compassion and we talk about meeting needs, it will be true that someone in the room will be moved by the Shriners Hospital commercial and somebody in the room can't believe that I don't care about those dogs in the dog shelter and Sarah McLaughlin singing didn't do it for me. How in the world can you not care about that? What's wrong with you? Do you not love God? What's the deal with that? And we'll look at each other and sometimes we'll look at each other in kind of a, a, a tainted way, a tarnished way and say, you don't, hey, this is something I care about. Clearly it's something God cares about. How can you not care about it? And what we need to understand is that God, this is the beauty of the, of the body of Christ, needs are everywhere. And God loves to press different hearts to move toward different needs. And he uses different people to meet different needs. And we need to really respect that, that there's some area that someone else is being moved. Now, if you're not moved with compassion toward anything, that we need to talk about. But if your movement toward compassion is different than my movement toward an area of compassion. We really need to respect that and honor that. Part of what forms our, our movement toward different areas of meeting needs and needing compassion is our history, and particularly our painful history. There is in, in life that we've experienced deep brokenness and deep pain. And you know what's beautiful about that? When we move toward response of answering a need with compassion, it is actually an inadvertent part of our healing process. It helps bring repair to our heart and our soul. God's doing something in us. So we need to be honoring each other. If, someone, if you're psyched about something and someone else is looking at you like, I can't wait to get my Frappuccino, that's not that they don't love God as much as you. That's not where God is pressing them, and we need to respect that within the body of Christ. Um, I think the other thing to always remember is that as a church, we need to keep our eyes on the real need. The real need. There's only one need that we really are charged to meet, and that's the need of bringing people into a relationship with Jesus. That is the real need. All the other needs, you could call them symptoms maybe, you could call them important, but the thing that we do is bring people into a relationship with Jesus. So we've got to make sure that we're not just busy doing a lot of nice things and we're not missing the point that we are tasked as the church of Jesus Christ to do the one thing of bringing the gospel to people in desperate need. First church we were at, this little micro church, tiny thing. We had a preschool. And uh, the, the building had like four rooms. So the preschool director liked the very first day for me to kind of give the kids a tour of the building. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. <clears throat> So we got this little group of kids, and we're walking on through. And we come into the, the main worship area. And up front, there's this area that if you didn't know better, <coughs> you'd think it was like a puppet show. And kids are like, what's up there? And they go peek, and they see this big tub. 
And like, what's going on in there? And, you know, the thing is, like, church has a jacuzzi or something. And so I just said to him, oh, no, that's our, that's our baptismal tank. We baptize people in there. And then we went on with the rest of the tour. And later that day, I get a call from an irate mom. I mean, she's furious. What are you doing proselytizing my kid? I'm like, what do you mean proselytizing your kid? You know, well, you're telling about baptism. You're telling about Jesus. We were sending our kids to preschool. We weren't sending our kids to, to, to religious camp. What's this all about? And, and, you know, I'm young and I'm kind of stupid. So I wasn't as good at thinking as I was, as I am now. And, you know, because the response I wanted to say was, would you read our sign? Oakville Community Church. We're church. Of course we're going to talk about Jesus. We're not going to apologize for talking about Jesus. That's the thing we do. And so it's always important when we're talking about compassion to make sure that we're not distracted by simply meeting needs, but we're always looking at the core need. Does this person have Jesus? And if they don't, who's going to bring him to him? Because that's what he's tasked his church to do. So as we close today, I'd like you to go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray. Father God in heaven, as we walk out into our world, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our eyes to the needs around us, but God, help us also to listen to our insides. Help us to listen to the times that your spirit is moving us, to the signs that your son is speaking to us. Help us to know where we're supposed to jump in and in a very loving way extend compassion to the world. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Let that be a part of the theme of the way we live. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for the coolest thing I'm going to say all day long. For the first time in 10 years, you do not have to put away your chair. You leave it exactly where it is. Don't move it. Have a great day.